Hello and welcome back to Proceed to Checkout. I'm your host, Andrew Figgins, and this is part three of our story on UK merchant Beerhawk. If you have not yet heard parts one and two, please go back and listen to those first. As a recap, we've gone through the history of craft beer in the UK, how the company came to be in the commerce space, and are just starting to dive deeper into the ways Beerhawk is using the Magento platform to expand their e-commerce business. Let's jump into part three after a message from our partner. Adobe has partnered with Wayflyer to provide B2C e-commerce businesses with easy, fast funding to accelerate their growth. Wayflyer tailors their funding solution for each business to fit their unique needs, while also offering marketing and inventory insights to optimize spend. Also, approved businesses can receive between $10,000 and $20 million in flexible funding within one to three days. Whether the heartbreak changed you and you're doing a full 180, or you need to urgently suggest to a worldwide audience that someone not show up, not come out, and not stop caring about you now, check out wayflyer.com adobe to join the Adobe Commerce and Magento open source merchants that are already using Wayflyer today. Let's start now. We left off at the end of part two with some insight from Matthew, a senior product manager from Beerhawk, who shared background on his early days getting to know the Magento platform. As the site and company have evolved, the flexibility of Magento has been a major piece of the puzzle for their in-house team of developers. Before we bring back tech lead Chris, here's Dan, Beerhawk's trusty content and community lead, with his perspective on how Magento is propelling the site through market changes. It definitely enabled us to be, it's the buzzword and the golden word in e-com, especially for us, is, is the ability to be reactive. So we have an incredible front and back end uh, team here at Bearhawk who have spent countless hours developing like a, a CMS widget based design system for our website. That means that we can very quickly and easily reactively spin up new pages, spin up pro- uh, PDPs or PLPs for products. And that very much helped us. They completely built this bespoke from the ground up to, to fit in with Magenta and they did an incredible job with it. Like Magento as a platform in, in general as well, it really gave us the opportunity to, to take a look at those SKU lists, to, to minimize them and to, to build the website and, and the processes behind it in a way that made us able to deliver what customers wanted when they wanted and as efficiently as they wanted. Because as a lot of people have found out through the pandemic, getting stuff delivered quickly is definitely something you want. As Dan and just about everyone continues to share, flexibility and customization have been the major Magento fuel for Beerhawk. To walk through a recent key evolution of the site, namely the cart and checkout process, let's bring back Chris for a deep dive on how the team is customizing its site. We took some of the parts of the Magento completely to the different level, which we had uh, last year uh, when there was Reacticum, we actually, I was invited to do the talk about what we did with the cart and the checkout. And we were one of the first merchants who actually on our own recreate completely the new cart and the checkout in the React. And even the Adobe guys like Dave from Magento, who is actually looking now on the entire PWA implementation, he said to us that you guys did that hard way and we're trying to achieve everything with the PWA. And I know that now probably we will move to the PWA route in the future. We don't need to redevelop completely everything as we want. But there was the one phrase we ask ourselves, 
why we should do that? Let's wait when someone else will do that and then we'll go the easy road. But then the answer was, no, let's do it because we can. And we actually proved that and it's working for, for us. And what now is about 18 months. Then we got the fully custom card inside Magento. And in the last 12 months, we got as well the fully integrated checkout as well. As for every e-commerce business, card and checkout and basically the success page after payments are, for a business, the most crucial parts of the website because that's where we're all making money. So when we start, basically decide that the vanilla card and uh, checkout with Magento, don't take it wrong, it's okay, it's all right, but it's always like with everything, it's massive room for improvements. And I'm sure if someone will take our existing approach, probably we can take that to the next level as well, like with everything. So what we start, basically, we actually pull really good UI UX designer on site who actually did a lot of things for a big companies well-known uh, TV companies in, in England. So he, he actually worked with the big e-commerce sites. So he knows exactly how customers who need to behave in the cart and checkout and how smooth it need to be. So that was on the drawing board first, how the whole journey will, will look like. So we don't need this. We will need to replace this with something else. After we had the full, I would say, design, we were looking for a technology and there was the time when there was the first PWA studio or just even before they uh, released the, um, the PAW studio. I think there was even beta version. And we actually looked in the code and we said, okay, React, React.js, that will be the, the way going forward. Uh, our main goal was so the customer when they increase the quantity, removing the product, applying the coupons, all the cart rules, everything happened instantly on the screen. You don't have any refreshing, reload, any, I would say, unnecessary calls, which actually take you another seconds, then you need to stay on the screen. So our main goal was, you need to be, you adding item to the cart, and then you click, click, whatever you need to add and move to the next step. So we, we, we basically split the entire development to big parts. So first was a card and the second was the checkout. We completely rebuilt the card. We re-implement completely PayPal and uh, Apple Pay, uh, like uh, PayPal Express. So you can basically check out from the card. And we did that exactly the same with Apple Pay. And then was the standard secure checkout when you actually go to the standard Magento checkout. Card was an absolutely great success. We could have 800, 900 people in the cart when we launched the, the products. And there was no problems at all. So we decided, okay, checkout will be a little bit more challenging because we need to basically face all the payments methods. That is basically one of the most important part of the checkout when we actually take in payments for all our products. So it took us about, card was about six months. And for a start, we only put two developers. There was me and, and my colleague who actually took that approach. But for a checkout, we decide we need to speed up a little bit. It will be more, more challenging. So we actually have four developers working on the checkout implementation. So with checkout, we did exactly the same. So first, 
through all the development, we first did guest users, then obviously the register users. As you know, we're working on the Magento. We are currently on 2.35 e-commerce edition. So we're using as well the rewards built-in uh, system which was as well for our uh, benefit and loyalty program. We will need to re-implement that as well for our checkout so people can end spend their points, which in our case, they are called beer tokens. So every time you buy beer, you're earning beer tokens. And every time next time when you proceed to checkout, you can spend them. The biggest challenging part was re-implement the payment methods because there were a massive they were so embedded inside the Magento, or you can use the third-party modules, like for a brain tree. There was Gene Commerce. Now it's a part of them. PayPal was also there for all the time, but it wasn't great. So what we decided to do, we basically remove all the third-party integration and back to the drawing board, and we re-implement entire payment system for our custom uh, checkout which was the all credit cards, debit cards, all store cards, because uh, lots of customers like to store their cards. And then so we use the encrypted vault using the brain tree. Then we completely rebuilt the pay PayPal uh, journey uh, for the checkout. We add Apple Pay. We implement on top of that the Klarna payments as well. And... The great tests, and, and at this point, everything was uh, based on the REST API. Then when we realized when you got eight, 900 concurrent uh, people in the cart and checkout, checking at the same time, it was a lot of calls going to the backend. And we decided, okay, it's not a problem because we can always upscale a little bit of the servers and we can deal with all that throughput and this requests per minute. Sometimes we, we had like 30, 40,000 requests per minute in the card. So the next step is let's take out the REST API and replace everything with the GraphQL. We did that. It's live uh, recently for, I would say, about a month. And we had perfect test. One of the best product launch we ever had. There was When we launched the product, uh, there was so massive traffic then basically orders hitting our backend about there was 0.83 tenths of the second. There was uh, less than a second per order. We had over 1,300 concurrent checkout journey at the same time. We didn't have a single spike. Website didn't crash. It was amazing journey going forward. So we are super ready now for next step, which will be Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Well, that was a lot of great info, and we are certainly going to continue diving into that even more with Chris. But first, I'd like to bring a new voice into the fold, B2C e-commerce manager Claire Peach. A fun fact I learned when interviewing Claire is that she nannied for a lord and lady for several years before venturing into e-commerce, and she attributes much of her organizational and project management skills to that role, and who wouldn't? Managing a household is no small feat. I'll let Claire expand on BeerHawk's strategic approach to Black Friday on both the front and back end of the site. Black Friday is a tricky one, I think, because it's such an intense period of sales over a short space of time. And whether you like it or not, 
Black Friday is sort of extending slightly over the week, which actually makes it a lot easier for us as an e-commerce business, because one of the biggest challenges we see is getting all of our customers coming to site on Black Friday and then having to ship all of those orders in a really short space of time. Um, so being able to now spread out that sort of weight across the week has been really great. So it's working out a way to make that week engaging enough for the customer that they want to keep coming back throughout the, the sales period and sort of look at what we have to offer and yeah, make it really interesting and offer them something different and sort of differentiate differentiate ourselves across the market really yeah so I think I mean when it comes to an event like Black Friday we have to look at all the touch points on the website that the customer is going to come to and make sure that that's making sense so I guess in the back end we have to make sure that like our catalog is organized in a way that makes sense to the customer but also makes sense to what we're promoting at the time so we don't necessarily want to fill our website with everything at that time. We want to direct people specifically to those really exciting offers. So making sure that the offers are grouped together in a sensible manner and then displaying it on the front end in a way that's really user friendly. So, you know, you can go to a page and you see everything that you want, but it's also easy enough to navigate around. So that sort of category structure and things, making sure for Beer Hawks example is all of our mixed cases are together and the offers are on them are, are together and the same. And then our kegs that we sell through our perfect draft machines, they're all together. And, you know, it, it just has to flow nicely and that the customer can sort of see see what they're getting and where. Incredible. Thank you, Claire. And I hope you, our listeners, are really loving this inside look behind the scenes of Beerhawk and this e-commerce ecosystem as much as I am. Continuing on that, I asked Chris to dive even deeper when it comes to the maintenance of payment methods, both manual and automatic on the site, which I think will sufficiently wrap up this deep dive on Beerhawk's cart and checkout journey. For example, to implement the payment method in the custom checkout today, and when the, that custom payment method released a new update today, SDK or day code could completely break your site. So basically, we got the like a rolling schedule once a month. Every payment, I will talk on, for example, how we maintain payment methods. So we got Klarna, PayPal, Braintree. Apple Pay, I would call that Apple Pay Express, which is a directly from the cart. You don't need to go to the uh, route to the checkout and the same with the PayPal Express. So you can absolutely super shorten the whole customer journey. So basically is what six, six payment method and we actually review them on the monthly basis. Every time when the PayPal or Braintree or any other or Klarna release new update to their platform, we actually very carefully checking what they updating, what they changing, if they only fixing the books. If the books are related to us, it's nice, then we can easy spin the test environment, put the new code, check, perfect. QA running the whole process. We're running as well the automate test uh, automate tests on our checkout. We're using actual currently the ghost inspector. They're running 18 end-to-end -end journeys to make sure every possible scenario that customer can imagine 
is actually fully tested. If they are changes they not really apply uh, directly to us because they changing, uh, for example, the standard UX, for example, for a Klarna module, but our is fully custom. So we're not touching that. So we're waiting another month to waiting for another update or whenever they decide to, to update. Any major changes, if they changing any payment methods, anything to the SDK, or to API endpoints, we doing the full regression on the entire checkout on every single payment method to make sure we're not putting the little update and the customer can check out. So it is kind of half manually, half automated process, but it is on the in our calendars on the monthly rolling basis to constantly review that. So that's, I would say that's the biggest problem. And the most challenging is the payment methods. All the integration with carriers, they don't really change for months. Some of the carrier, unfortunately, not even doing updates for years. So that's not the biggest problem. Sometimes we need to be very careful with AWS services because they rolling updates constantly. We need to make sure if the new updates going on date or they drastically changing the version, we need to, again, do the full regression on that part before we actually deploy that to the production. So it is quite a big task, but as you can imagine, there are months that payment gateways not releasing updates. So sometimes it's very quiet and we actually using the same approach to any third party extension that we have on our system. It's not many because a lot of things develop in, in house. They are our own code, but obviously we still got, I would say about 15% of all the modules. There are still some of the third party, mainly their integration with another third party platform. So for example, like ME2 Pro, which integrate eBay and Amazon to the Magento platform. That is, for example, very big update. And in the last two years, we only really performed that twice. At the same time, when we actually update the Magento platform, because it's the regression on the ME2 Pro and entire eBay and Amazon integration is a massive job. So it's taking weeks to basically run the full regression. So we actually try to tidy up the massive module improvements. Like, to be honest, I, I believe it's only one on that size is ME2 Pro, the eBay and Amazon. And we're always trying to sync that with the Magento platform update at the same time is the best time because at Anyway, we need to do the full backend and front-end regression. It actually falls to the scenario. Before we switch gears by pivoting to the ways the process of continuously customizing and monitoring site changes works behind the scenes at BeerHawk, let's bring in yet another team member who can speak more to the front-end customer experience. Here is Head of Customer Services Andy Ward with a brief overview of how his team uses Magento as part of the sale process. All of my team use the Magento admin. We use it for, for different things. So order lookups, specifically it's around orders more than products, although we do use it for certain product-based stuff. It's, it's around placing orders. Um, 
replacing issue orders if anything happens in there, looking through and making sure that the customer's data is up to date with the customer when they're on the phone to make sure that you know everything runs smoothly from the customer's account. So if you're anything like me, whether you work in e-commerce or not, you might be wondering how BeerHawk manages the site completely in-house. Here are Chris and Rob to explain the why behind choosing an in-house model, which I have to point out is a decision that was only made over a little over a year ago at the time of this recording. The two went back and forth a bit on how the tech team maintains open collaboration and the importance of this internally. With our... Um... Magento custom card and checkout approach. It was kind of easy because we already had a team in-house, which is, you know, it's very unusual for a merchant that we're running, we got them backend developers, front-end developers, QA, uh, we got the Magento admins, we got dedicated products owner. So we're kind of running, I would say, like a big agency that all the resources are in place. We even had our, uh, we got our Intel UI UX designers, web designers, product designers. We got our own photograph studio to take the pictures of the products. It was kind of easy approach for us because we didn't need to build the team to achieve our project. And it will be a little bit may, maybe funny, but um, a lot of people ask us a question, uh, why are you guys doing it? And we always because, uh, and we always answer, because we can. That will as well answer your question because having a great developers in-house in my team, we are actually able to deliver whatever business requirements are and whatever stakeholders and products owner would like to achieve and change the standard vanilla Magento look and functionality. So we, we were in the position to deliver. Obviously, we're constantly extending the team because from one project to another, we need more and more team. Probably, as you are aware, is very difficult uh, these days, especially when the COVID hit to actually find the really, really good developers, because I'm always saying that the best one are already somewhere in, in job. It's the same like with ours. I keep them. We actually, our, the whole tech team running more like a family instead of the, you know, bunch of the people who will actually help themselves. We're not running the projects that is, oh yeah, that's your part, that's front-end developer, that's back-end developers. We're all running us together. We're winning together. And we tackle every single obstacles, which is in our way as well together. Everyone in the team got the voice. It's not that, you know, I'm in charge and I'm saying that's the right way because no one is perfect. And everyone always feel free to raise their voice. And we always discuss every single approach. And we always choosing the best what is for a business and as well from the tech perspective. And must be always future-proof, so we don't need to back to the drawing desk after halfway through the projects and then, oh, no, we need to redesign everything. Yeah, that's kind of approach we're using with, with our projects. But like I said, very fortunate because we got a great team in-house, which is far easier. We run in the past using the agency as a support. It was not always the perfect scenario. 
to actually synchronize the agency and the way we would like to achieve with our de development team. And most of the time, projects were stretched in time. So I would say in the last 12, 16, nearly maybe even 18 months, we're actually running everything in-house, completely every single development. One of the most amazing things is that Chris has really kind of driven a tech team that wants to be involved in all of this. And we have some incredible communication between tech and marketing. The amount of times that I will just get a slack from Chris because he spotted something that might just work in the marketing side of things. Um, likewise, we have you know people on the marketing team who will happily say, can we do this? Can we just make this happen? The amount of times that I have in return slapped Chris and said, would it be possible to just do this? Like, could we change this? Would, what do we need to do to make this, this campaign happen? It's a real testament to the culture of Beerhawk and the people that we've taken on board. Um, everyone feels like an owner. Everyone feels like they really want to get the best for the business. And everyone, yeah, just comes in with a passion to try and achieve more, to do more, to like always be better than what we were making and to improve things for our customers. So, yeah, I think uh, like definitely having the teams in-house has been uh, like a big deal though. It's meant that we have that culture, but the people and the, the way that they bring that to life every day is definitely what's made it so easy for the marketing team to work with tech, for tech to work with marketing and to come up with combined solutions for all of this. The reason why the cooperation between the older teams working in our case between tech team and uh, marketing team is because both teams are in-house. We're not using any external agency developments. We are super fortunate and it's not many merchants that got the massive tech team who can actually deliver everything in-house. And if we need to react, develop, or have a brainstorm, what can we do? We can all sit in a few minutes in one room, decide what we want to do, how we want to do, and then deliver that. And I think that that's the main goal, that everything is in-house. And to be honest, and we are surrounded with amazingly skilled people in all these two departments. So that's the key for me, why everything is success so far for us. Fantastic. I'd like to underscore here, and I think Rob and Chris would want me to, by commenting that it's not just about having everyone on the team in-house, it's also about the people who make up that everyone. Much of this goes back to the company culture they've established over the years, something we've covered extensively in part two. The culture of collaboration through Beerhawk really underscores why they've been successful to date. Here's Claire again with some insight on how communication across teams works. Yeah, I think so. We're still, you know, quite a smallish team, really. So wherever there's a problem or an issue, you know, anyone can can sort of reach out to the tech team and say, hey, guys, I'm struggling here or there. And they'll jump on it and help straight away. It's definitely an open communication between the teams to, to make sure that everyone can get what they need to do done. On top of this culture, collaboration and communication, it's about how the team is structured and how the work processes are built. As you know by now, Beerhawk works agile. I'd like to bring back Matthew to explain this approach a little bit more. Yeah, so Beerhawk does work agile. We in the tech team have been working agile for longer than the rest of the business. The, the business has for the last nine months now been looking to actually 
run the business off an agile scrum process. So the tech team, very mature in their processes. We have a good number of front and back end designers in the team with a good structure to it. So tech lead, senior back end developer, senior front end developer that, that take lead on their sides of things and a very collaborative approach to everything we do really. So I hope that we foster a, an environment where people can comment and can come forward with ideas and all that kind of stuff within the tech team and within the business really. Yeah, the process can sometimes be quite flexible, but I suppose that's almost the, the agile manifesto kind of thing to, to adapt as you go um, to different environments. So yeah, we're, we're definitely not a um, we're not the evangelists of agile or reading all the books and, and putting them into practice. We're, we're kind of, I guess, living our um, one of our mottos and one of our values of, of of getting shit done we, we just do what we need to do to to make sure we deliver we have a ux designer who yeah who, who's on hand for the beer hawk across the board so not necessarily always on tech work but providing very very good work that's a, a relatively recent addition this year to the team internally but definitely something we missed before that um, and helps a lot to, to drive the, the product forward and i think we've seen some good strides in on-site experience because of that and yeah just a, a really good structure and team to work with. What a great explanation. Thank you, Matthew. And for those of you who, like me, are curious for even more detail on this process, Chris delivered in spades. Here he is again with more of the details of this agile process, which runs on two-week sprints. The whole tech team running fully agile. We're running on the two-week sprints. Basically, always day before the sprint, we got meetings called backlog refinements. When we actually developers, project manager, products owner, we sit together and we actually refine all the tickets or the work. All the work that needs to be done is transferred to the tickets. We're using software called Jira. So basically, we can track the, the, the full sprints. Then we check in with the Scrum Master if every single task what we need to do in the upcoming uh, project got the status ready to go, so it's ready. So which means that all the assets are available for uh, development, all the acceptance criteria are uh, clearly defined. Then we move to something called sprint planning. Then uh, when we have the whole team development team capacity excluding obviously the holidays, plans for meetings. So we got number of hours that they can fully dedicate to the, to the task. Every ticket, task slash tickets, I would call them ticket, is assessing details. So we actually assessing the difficulty level. So for example, the task is five points, eight points, depends on the complexity. Then we're doing the assess in time, how many days it will take. It's not only the development because most of the tasks are split in the two or three phases. So the development depends if it's a front end and back end or both. So they are part of the task. Then we got the, our QA. Then after these stages are complete, the ticket is assigned back to the product manager or the product owner who check in all the acceptance criteria. And then after that stage, that the ticket is passed to our staging environment when, when it's again tested and then could be deployed live. So yes, we did a lot of tweaks in the recent years to actually make sure that we can fully assess 
the ticket's complexity to make sure that every single asset is available. Let's imagine we're doing, um, to simplify things, let's imagine that it's a landing page and there is no assets from the design team or UX team. That ticket by me and by developers got the label, it's not ready to go, which means it can go to the sprint. Because in the future, when the um, products manager always said um, something will be to follow, as we know, not always everything will actually follow in the time, which is ideally for us. So it was a lots of, not lots of, there was some task that can be complete in the two week sprint run because there was missing assets. So one of the biggest improvements was to clearly assess that everything, so the ticket got the status ready to go. When it's ready to go, it's going to the sprint pulled by a Scrum Master, and then we ask the development team if they are ready to commit and they can actually start on the task. And we're running in the two-week circle. Every day, uh, we're running something called stand-up. It's the development team for 15 minutes, which actually giving a short report or everything what they, what they have done in the previous day and what they will be doing in the current day. Plus, if there are any blockers, if there are any blockers that they can proceed with the task, then the Scrum Master Act and actually talking to relevant parties or basically, if it's something simple, removing obstacle for a developer so he can continue. And that's a wrap on part three. On the next episode of Proceed to Checkout, We'll continue with part four of our story, which will feature even more insight on the evolution of both the business and, of course, the website. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you're listening to help others find us. For more information on the Magento Association and additional merchant case studies, check out the links on our show notes. I'll turn it over to Claire to lead us out today with a story about her relationship to craft beer. My dad was always a true craft beer drinker. I grew up with him sort of having more interesting beers in the house than you would normally find around in bars and things. So when I started at Beerhawk, I definitely felt a familiarity with a lot of things that Beerhawk was selling, but it was definitely eye-opening and sitting and, and sort of experiencing those sort of new beers that I never even thought existed was probably at Beerhawk itself uh, when I first started and that was really cool 